Hello, my beautiful bins. Welcome to episode 101. We're embarking on the next 100 episodes. Let's see how many amazing things can happen over the next 100 episodes, not just for the podcast and not just for the community, but for each of you individual beans around the world. So today I want to be talking about this topic, which is actually pretty important, and it's also a bit of a fun topic to do as well. So super important, also very It's like a fun little exercise and activity you can do with your partner and it is what you and your partner should know about each other. Okay, really fun. You can do this as a little drinking game, although you don't want to be too lit because you want to retain this information, quite important stuff, but great to get you to know someone better. This is also really good if you are in a situationship, which is basically where you're kind of seeing someone but you're not and is it going to progress to the next level, is it not? This is a kind of cool thing to do if you're in that situation. I'm talking about non-toxic situations. Obviously not like orbital ghosters and fuckwits. Okay, I feel like that's like a title of a podcast. Orbital ghosters and fuckwits should be the name of a podcast because we all know one of them at least. Anyway, so that's the topic of today. Quick little update on my life thus far. I did graduate. It was so beautiful. Oh my god, I graduated on the day on last Thursday, which was when the 100th episode came out. And I thought that was like pretty cool timing. And it was predicted 100% rain. So I was like, fuck this shit. That's so annoying because I go to the University of Sydney and it's such a stunning campus. Anyway, my parents were able to come down to Sydney from Queensland. I hadn't seen them in six months because of the borders. So that was just so amazing to actually finally be able to see them. And we had the best day. It was the most incredible day graduating. I was literally sitting there. Um, It was sunny the whole time, like blue skies. And then when I went into the hall and we were just waiting for all the things to get ready and we had to be seated, I was like, I can't finish. I can't finish uni. This is ridiculous. So I was already like flicking through on my phone through the uni website of like, what other courses could I be doing? I'm like, is there a master's just in pharmacology? I have not found one yet, but I will track one down. But can I also calm the fuck down? Because every time I'm at uni, I remember always saying to people, around me do not let me study something at least for a couple of years like I need some balance in my life but then when you're there it's like you just want to study when I'm at the uni campus it's so beautiful it just looks like a scene from Harry Potter I'm like get me a textbook immediately Um, but no I'm not going to do anything straight away I'm not a psycho I need to calm the fuck down but that was a beautiful day and then after that um, we had like a beautiful family dinner with Tyrone his parents my parents my cousins aunties it was just amazing so great day um, also thank you to everyone for all your love and support all your beautiful messages I need I really need to reply to everyone that commented on that photo it just received so much love from so many people that I haven't met but are part of the community so I really 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 am grateful for you all and for following me on this journey amazing times all right so let's get into the topic of today which is what you and your partner slash friend should know about each other now this can be, Great for all kinds of relationships. I mean, honestly, the more you know about these particular points, and this could be with siblings, with parents, with, you know, acquaintances, colleagues, it could be, you know, in-laws, it doesn't matter. But obviously, I'm talking about your closest relationships, the relationships where you're spending a lot of time with, where it really matters for the future of your relationship to know this information, if that makes sense. So obviously, the closer the person is to you, hence why I'm talking mainly about partners, um, the closer that person is, the more imperative it is that you know this stuff about each other for many reasons. And I'm going to break down the reasons within each category. But there are 10 points that I want to break down. Um, and I'll go obviously into detail of each point. And the beauty of this is you might be in a situation where you're like, wait a minute, I've dated this person for years 
And I don't know the answer to all these things and that's fine. But ask the person these questions, you know, that you've got to ask them. And if you think that they don't know this information about you, then you can sit them down and tell them or send them this podcast. Good time. Send them the podcast. Or what I recommend you can do is write down the questions or all these points and sit down over a stunning wine or water or coffee or whatever with your partner and say, I'm going to ask you questions about me. And what would be really interesting for you to do is get them to answer the questions. If you genuinely think that maybe they don't know the answer, get them to answer each of these questions. So then you can get an insight into what they believe is the answer about you. Because maybe either they just have not gotten it or maybe you've communicated it across in a way that they might have totally misinterpreted, okay? So it's real, and, and vice versa, you can then do, do it in reverse. So it's really good to understand what do you actually think the answer is, but this is the real answer, okay? So let's go into it. Point number one, what is their attachment style? Now, I'm not going to go so heavily into attachment style. I do have an entire podcast about attachment styles. That podcast is episode 48, but it is really important to know what each other's attachment style is. So this might help you understand why sometimes you guys clash in what you might find completely appropriate behavior and they might find inappropriate behavior. It might be that this person is not toxic, but based on their attachment style, they might be super needy. They might be expecting things off you. They might get really upset when you do something where for you, it's perfectly natural and normal. This normally happens if you are someone with a secure attachment style and you are dating someone with an, an in secure or an ambivalent attachment style or even a disorganized attachment, but that, that's going more like into kind of dysfunctional or toxic relationships when you talk about disorganized attachment. But know what their attachment style is. Understanding this is the first step to being able to communicate better with each other. It's not saying that, oh, because this person's got, um, you know, insecure attachment style and they're like super needy with my time, I now need to, you know, bow down and cater to that. Not at all. But it's good to understand. So then when they do certain things and behave in a certain way or react in a certain way, you think, okay, I understand that this is kind of where they're coming from and I can explain where I'm coming from and we can kind of meet in the middle. So it is very important for you to lay it out and go back and listen to that attachment style podcast. Very interesting and um, you might see online there are quizzes like what's your main attachment style and what you there is no you can't have like all attachment styles and a percentage of it doesn't work that way you have an attachment style and your attachment style is based around your internal working model which is your perception of the world yourself your abilities and relationships so based on how you were raised and experiences that you had in your formative years, that's going to build what your attachment style is going to be. So once you listen to that podcast, you're going to understand that everyone has this one primary attachment style. It can be changed with therapy, but let's not go into that. Okay. Number two, how does your partner express their anger or their frustration? If this is a really early, early relationship, Look, I would ideally you want to be you want to be sitting down and listening to this at the early stages of your relationship when you're just a couple of months in because it's really important to know how this person expresses their anger or frustration, okay? Because if for them they internalize and go all quiet and they just don't, you know, want to talk about it, then you can understand, okay, this person right now is angry. This person is, 
you know, retreating because they've got something bubbling up for them. And maybe for them, they need that time out and they need to be left alone in order to process something. Because if you're someone that thinks, okay, when I'm angry, I just want to lay it all out and I need to express everything I feel and I want to discuss it right here, right now. But your partner might be like, wait a minute, if I sit down right now at the peak of my frustration and anger and I try and discuss something with you, I'm going to be mean, hurtful. I'm going to say things that I know I'll regret and I didn't mean just because it's in the heat of the moment. So your partner might work so much better with retreating for a couple of hours and then coming back when they've regrouped, had a moment to themselves, been able to cool down with you not being around them and then express how they feel. And it's really important to know that because if you're somebody saying, you're avoiding me, you're avoiding me, chasing them around the house, being like, let's talk about it. Why don't you want to talk about it? If you don't understand that for them, they need to process their anger alone, then you might be exacerbating the problem when it doesn't mean that it's never going to be discussed. It might be something where you're like, okay, if we can get clear on this one thing and I, if I know that you need time out, then when, we, when things blow up or when I address a problem and when I raise something saying, I'm really upset with what you did last night, is this something you want to discuss now or do you want to process it and come back and talk about it later? But these are the issues that I want to be discussing. Then you give them that, that safe space for them to say, let's do it now or I'm, really, I'm also really upset about last night and now that you've brought it up, I, you know, maybe I need to process it and come back and talk about it. Really important that you understand what their way of expressing anger or frustration is. It's also really good if it's early on in the relationship to understand these things about someone because on, on the flip side, let's go into a toxic style relationship. You might be someone that's like, everything's perfect, you know, we've, you know everything's amazing, and, but you're only four months in and you're already thinking, I'm going to move in with this person, I'm going to whatever. Some people think it's great for a couple to have never had a fight or never had an argument. Okay, fine. If you're never headed that way, fine. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it is important to definitely not avoid conflict if conflict is there for you to bring it up and discuss it because this, this particular person, if it's early on in the relationship, might have a very aggressive style of expressing their anger and this might be something that is an absolute deal breaker for you. So it's important that you can raise things together and you understand what their way of expressing anger is. And if it's early on in the relationship, this is where you ask them, I haven't seen this side of you yet, but how do you truly express your anger when you're truly, truly angry? angry and see what they have to say. They might really open up. They might say, you know what, to be honest, I've had some like really bad moments in my past. And the thing that actually worked best for me in that moment was X, Y, Z. This is stuff that needs to be spoken about. So you're not shocked if it ever happens. And so they themselves also don't feel so embarrassed because they can be like, this is exactly what I spoke to you about. This is what I want to be working on. And vice versa. You might be the person that, that fires up like crazy and you end up lashing out and hurting people around you. And that's not what you want, but you need to share that with your partner before it happens. In addition to this, how they express their anger, you also want to ask them, how can I best be there for you when you're really angry or frustrated? Now, this is more so for things when it's not relevant to the relationship, because when obviously if you're angry with each other about something that's occurred that directly impacts the two of you, then it's not about having to be there for each other and coach each other through each other's anger. It's more like we both need to express how we're feeling. But let's say your partner went and had just the most awful day at work or with a relative, whatever, they had this this terrible day, they're feeling so flat and down and so frustrated, they can barely get the words out. What, What for them makes their blood boil and when they're down and frustrated, what to them 
do they need during that time? As the partner to support them during that time, ask them, what do you need? So for, so for example, for me, personally, me, Alexis, for what makes my blood fucking boil is when I'm down and frustrated and really overwhelmed and stretched too thin and burning out and I'm saying, look, I'm having a really, just really frustrated time. I'm just, and I'm just kind of trying to vent when then people say, just, you know, don't stress, smile, be happy, you know, just be grateful for what you've got. Look at what you've got. Be grateful. I'm like, fuck off with your false fucking positivity. I am grateful. I'm always grateful, but I also need my venting to be validated because if you're not going to just sit and hear me rant and hear, hear what I have to say, I would actually rather be alone or I'd actually rather rant to somebody else. So it's important that you can both understand how to be there for each other when that person is angry or frustrated about something that's happened to them that day in that moment. So some people want to fix us. Some people, it's like, I want to sit and I want you to tell me what to do right now. In that case, you might be like, right, you need to do this and that. Some people just want to vent. It's important that you get clear on that with your partner. If you can just say to your partner, I'm your sounding board, tell me how you're feeling. And they're like, and they spit it all out and you're not trying to fix the problem. You're saying, that must be so frustrating. I understand that. That must be so whatever. And you just kind of, you just listen to them. Sometimes people just want to be heard. Sometimes people want to be cheered up. Get clear on that with yourself and with your partner. Number three. How do they ask for things that they want? Is it direct or is it non-direct? If it's direct and you're non-direct, you might take it as, wow, you're being really kind of blunt and abrupt with me when you ask for things. But for them, maybe that's just like, oh, I wasn't meaning to at all. This is just how I ask for things. Or maybe they're so indirect with how they ask for things that you struggle to read it. So if you can be clear with each other saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit shy to ask for things or I'm a bit shy to ask for me. And it could be something like intimacy. I'm shy to talk about like if you could be a bit more, um, you know, physically intimate with me and not, I'm not even talking about the bedroom, but like, can you, can you spend more time hugging me in the morning or can you do this or can you do that? Maybe you struggle to ask for it. So your way of asking for it is by kind of trying to do it. Your partner doesn't realize, and then you feel super rejected and then you feel way less likely to try and bring it up in the future. Cause you think, well, you don't even want to do this for me. You don't even want to be there for me. You don't like hugging me in the morning instead of them maybe being super distracted and them thinking, well, if you wanted to, why didn't you just ask? Do you know what I mean? So it's so important to get on the same page of if I'm someone that normally cannot ask for something, I just want to let you know that. And that way we can kind of be on the same page. Another thing, for example, um, a lot of people are so used to, maybe with their own home dynamic or with certain friends, they're so used to their friends picking up on their indirectness of needing something that they expect their partner to be able to read what they want. And their partner might be shit at reading what they want. Like you might have a partner who adores you, but they just cannot read what you want. And if this is the case, you don't want to be living your whole relationship being like, oh, this person never gets what I want. They don't read what I want. They don't. What you could do is sit down and say, would you mind if I just blatantly asked you what what I want, I don't want to be offensive, but I feel that if I can just let you know outright what I want, then I'm not getting upset or disappointed and you're not constantly feeling, wow, I'm always guessing and I'm always walking on eggshells with this person because they're not directly telling me. Sometimes that's the most relieving thing you can do. On, on a much smaller scale with my parents, What when, when they're doing like a whole day of tasks around the house, my mum's like, 
Is it just better if I just literally write a list of all the things we need to do and I put an E next to everything my dad has to do and an M next to everything my mum has to do? And then my dad's like, yeah, I'd much rather that. That way I'm not guessing and that way I'm not missing something out and that way we're on the same page. I do what you want me to do and I do my part and you do your part and then we're, we're just – we're happy that we've both done it. So you can always come to – like that works for them, you know. So you've got to find a way that works where you don't have to be guessing what each other wants. It's also not a bad thing for you to say to your partner or your friend, I, I really need your emotional support today. They just, people have their own lives going on and sometimes it's really frustrating when someone doesn't read it in you, but sometimes it's really good for them to be able to just be told. And then they're like, right, done. I want to be here for you. This is exactly what I want for us to get closer. I, you've told me, now I can actually be there for you. I can do things to make your day better. I can do things to like ease the load off your day. And then you feel supported. You feel like, okay, all I had to do was just a little prompt and then they're there for me. Okay. Super important. Number four, what are the big moments that shaped their life? Have they had trauma in their life that's made them be who they are today? Have they had some incredible things that for them it's like the biggest awakening for them and it really has shaped their personality or, or it really is like a defining moment in their life that they hold really like close to their heart? What are those moments? That's what gets you closer to that person, understanding those milestones in their life. So even if you weren't there, you can share in that emotion and you can, you know, hear their stories and learn more about their journey to get them where they are. It gives you a deeper understanding of that person. Number five, what is their purpose? They might even not know their purpose. A lot of people don't know their outright purpose. But it's good to kind of ask those questions. What is your purpose? Why do you get out of bed every day? Is it for, you know, something completely external? Like you, 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 you're really passionate about working for a charity or working for a group of people? Or is it that they, they purely just need to reach out to their friends and family every single day? That's how they fill up their cup and that's how they fill up other people's cups. You might be a total like total homebody and you're always being like, why do you always have to be out all the time? Why do you always? But maybe their purpose is like, for me, my thing every day I wake up, my why every morning is to wake up and reach out to these people that I love and to feel that connection. And that's how I feel fulfilled every single day. Okay. So if that to them is their purpose, it makes sense why they're constantly reaching out to their friends, calling their friends, seeing their family all the time, why you might be like, fucking relax. Can we just chill? Okay. So understand what is their purpose? Do they know your purpose? Super important that they know your purpose. They, that, that they can then help you in certain ways. They can then facilitate certain things for you. They can be more understanding when they say that something is truly, truly important to you. Number six, what is their idea of winding down? How do they kind of switch off, relax? How do they kind of, you know, get back to a nice, calm state? So for some people, it's being completely alone and you know, relaxing at home and doing fuck all. For some people, it's going out and meeting up with someone and just having a drink or socializing. That's how they wind down. For some people, it's watching a sports match. For so everybody is, is different on that. And for you, it might be really frustrating if you're one style and they're another style and you expect each other to, you know, you might think like, you never want to wind down. You know, I'm just trying to relax and it's go, go, go for you. But maybe their version of winding down is something that seems excessive and extreme for you or vice versa. So 
Let them know what your way of winding down is. So that way they don't think that you're shutting them out. You might be like, to be honest, when I get home, I just want 30 minutes of peace, peace and quiet. I just want to be, and if you don't live together, I just want to be at mine and I like to just be completely alone. I don't want to answer my phone. I don't want to whatever. I just love being in silence. I'm not shutting anyone out. I just, it's really joyful for me to do something like that. Then they're like, oh, okay, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Now I know that I'm just going to let you have that time for you. Instead of them thinking, oh, they just got home and they don't, they don't want to come over straight away. Why, why don't they want to come over straight away? I, I, I want to see them straight away when I get home from work. Why, do, why don't they, you know, so share that information. Do you know that information about your partner? How do they truly want to wind down? Sometimes it's, it's even better to ask instead of to assume. Okay. Now, obviously, some of these things, if you're in a long, long, long term relationship, some things, things are going to be very apparent, but some things maybe not so much. But this is really crucial to know these things in like the first couple of months of your relationship, if you can. Number seven, what makes them feel insecure? Is it you? Is it, and why as well? Is it something to do with past trauma in their relationships and that's why they're lashing out at you? and it's kind of unfair? Is it to do with their appearance? Is it to do with, you know, their abilities? Sometimes they, sometimes your partner might be putting up this facade, pretending that they're fine, pretending that everything's fine, but deep down they might have this insecurity about something within themselves and they don't want to share it because they don't want to feel judged and they don't want to feel like less of a person or, you know, it's, it's really a difficult thing early on in a relationship to open about or any time to open up about your insecurities and what really makes you doubt yourself and what really makes you feel shit about yourself. If you can learn to understand each other's insecurities and be there for each other to help each other, because yes, it's true. I bang on about it all the time. You are ultimately the only person that can ultimately, ultimately work through these and improve your relationship with yourself. But when you are in an intimate relationship, a romantic relationship or a close friendship, it really helps if someone is on your side and it really helps if someone is sympathetic or empathetic enough to understand these things. Because your insecurity might have something with going out and being social and you feel quite awkward and you're around these people. If your partner knew that about you, they probably wouldn't be so pushy to take you some way. All it takes is honesty and saying, I actually feel really shit going there because X, Y, Z. Or I feel really shit when we talk about this because of these reasons, you know. So it's not an easy thing to talk about, but the quicker you can get to the bottom of, you know, what makes each other feel insecure, the more you can be there to try and help support each other or ask them like, how can I support you in this time? How can, what can I do right now to make you feel better or to, you know, put you in a better mood? Number eight, what are their non-negotiables? And in that also, like, what are their, their daily habits that make them feel complete? And if you know this, it can help you get your partner back on track when they're struggling with something or where they're super busy and when they're just not, not feeling themselves. For example, you can be like, babe, I know how much you love having a coffee alone in the mornings. And I've noticed that you haven't done that in a bit. So I've actually set up a book and a coffee for you outside this morning. I'll go and do this task and you can just go and chill out, you know? It could be something so small as that, or it could be something a little bit bigger. Like for them, their non-negotiables are meditating in the morning. So you give them that time to do it and you respect that about them. And then they're going to want to do that for you in return. Of course, everything I'm talking about here, obviously, is for non-toxic relationships where you mutually want to make each other's life better. Okay. This is what this episode is about. So 
if you can share that with your partner and say, look, I'm willing to, when we move in together or if you're living together, I'm willing to sacrifice certain things. We're sharing a home. I can't live as if I live alone and vice versa. We have to meet in the middle. However, what are your absolute non-negotiables that make your day better that I can facilitate and then what can I share about my non-negotiables that you can help me facilitate? If you can do that for each other every single day and you know that your partner truly wants this for you because it makes you a happier and a better person, then you're going to live in a much more cohesive way, in a much better environment. Your house environment will be so much better because you still let that person have that essence of themselves. Sometimes in a relationship, people become so like they bleed into each other and they become this one entity and then they lose a sense of their individuality through their routines that they love to doing. Like sometimes when people move in together, they think everything has to be done together now. We've got to wake up together. And if you love doing that, great, fine. But does your partner want to do absolutely everything with you? It's got nothing to do with how much they love you. It's got to do with what makes them feel like, you know, they've they've had a fulfilled day and they're on purpose and they're feeling like they're feeling in that state of clarity and they're in that flow state. You want to facilitate that. A happy partner equals a happier life. Happy partner, happier relationship, happier life. Everything that you do for them obviously is mutual in return, okay? Number nine, how do they express love? What is their love language? I do have a podcast on love languages. I think it's episode 27, I believe. I'm going to need to do another one on love languages. But basically, there's five love languages. There's acts of service. And if your love language is acts of service, you're probably going to um, show your love by doing favors for somebody or doing doing things around the house for that person, cooking for them or dropping them off somewhere or saying, you don't have to worry about picking that up. I'll do that for you. And then if you, if you like receiving acts of service, then for you, you feel really loved when people do favors for you, where they go out of their way and take the time to physically do something for you. Okay. The next one is words of affirmation. If that's how you show your love, you're always showering them with compliments and saying really nice things and saying about how much you adore them. You might be someone that writes love letters or little notes. That's the words of affirmation. And if you want to receive it that way, you're somebody that your cup gets really full when someone is, you know, praising you saying that you did that job so well. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Wow. You look so amazing. You put so much effort into your makeup, noticing things and telling you, you know, that all of that is words of affirmation. Then you've got quality time. So that's literally quality time. It's not quantity. They don't have to see you every single day, but when they do see you, they want it to be this amazing, you know, sit down, let's, let's talk. Let's just not have distractions or let's go on a date where it's just the two of us and we can really experience something together. Okay. Then you've got then there you've got physical touch. So physical touch can be obviously it's it's intimacy, but it could be things like you want someone to hold your hand when you're out. You feel loved when they make the gesture of reaching out and holding your hand when you're walking down the street or when they just grab you and kiss you just randomly out of the blue. Of course, it, it can also lead that sex as well, but a lot of it is not about that. A lot of it can be just this, they're, they're touching you often, you know, they're hugging you, they're sitting right next to you on the couch instead of sitting on the other couch. They're wanting to be near you, they're showing their affection through physical touch. And then the last one is gifts, gift giving. So that's how you might show your love because you're always going around being like, oh, I, th- I bought this mug, it made me think of you. Or, or I bought this grand giant thing where I spent so much money on and I give that to you. And you might feel 
that that's how you receive love. You might think, oh, and it, it doesn't have to be a, a money thing. It may or may not, but it could be like, oh my God, that's so sweet that you bought me that because it means that you were thinking of me when I wasn't there. It means that like it, it's a gesture that means you're on my mind and he's a gift to to show that you're on my mind. It's the, it's I want to receive flowers because it means that you're thinking of me. It's That's the gift giving one. Okay, so there is a quiz that you can do online. Um, there's a book called, um, I think it's called, the five love languages or something, and you go online, you can do the quiz. And for love languages, unlike attachment theory, you can have several. There's normally like the, the main ones and it gives you a percentage of which ones. And, and love languages can also change. Your love language can change throughout time. And sometimes it can change in the sense that if you're so used to always receiving something, then you might not feel the need for it. Like if someone is always, always showering you with gifts and always buying you flowers or whatever, but you never spend quality time, you might think, wow, now my love language has evolved and now I really crave that quality time and I want that, okay? So figure out and discuss it every so often. What is your best way of receiving love and how do you want to give love, okay? Because sometimes they might feel like they're showering you with love. Your partner might think, oh, I'm showering this person with love and going above and beyond, but they're showing love in a way that they interpret love, okay? And you might be feeling totally empty, like if their way of showing love is acts of service and they're going out of their way to do all these acts of service for you, but you're ultimately a pretty independent person. You don't need things done. So if someone does something for you, you're like, oh, that's really sweet. But because it wasn't a need, you didn't feel how much it impacted your day. But meanwhile, you're thinking like, why can't you just give me a compliment? So here you are feeling a bit empty while your partner's thinking, fuck yeah, I'm killing it. I'm doing everything right. I'm doing, I'm showering this person with love. I'm showing them that I love them all the time. And there's kind of like a bit of a disconnect. You know, you adore each other, but you feel like it's, the love is not reciprocated, even though it's shown in totally different ways. If you can sit down and even do the quiz together if you want, or read the book together, sit down and be like, how do you show love? And how do you want to receive love? Because the best way to do it is understand how that person wants to receive love and you cater to that and vice versa and they cater to you. And it's not that they have to stop their their version of love because all the five kinds of love are great, I think, but it doesn't mean that they have to stop how they show your love, but it means that they're now aware that, oh, this person really just like mainly needs words of affirmation. So I can still do the, the acts of service. I can feel that I'm fulfilling a way of showing love, but I know that they need X kind of love, Okay. So that's a really fun one to do. Now, kind of going on a bit of a tangent, this is sometimes what happens in couples where infidelity happens. Now, there's many different reasons why infidelity happens and I'm not here to discuss how it's wrong or right or or, or whatever, okay? I'll do a whole podcast on infidelity. But infidelity can happen in couples that are not toxic and in couples that do love each other. It can happen, okay? And I'm sure a lot of you listeners right now have been in a situation where infidelity has occurred, whether it's on your part or your partner's part, and you've managed to work through it and you always truly loved each other. That is a possibility. It's not every infidelity situation by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a possibility. And often this occurs when there's a massive disconnect of having each other's cup filled. So you, for example, say you're the one committing the, you know, cheating. You might feel so like you, that you adore your partner, 
but you're just not feeling appreciated or you're not feeling loved. And you think like, they're such a good person. They've been there for me during the hard times. I can see all these great traits. I love them. I've been with them for whatever amount of time. They are so important to me, but I am just craving feeling these feelings that I cannot get in my relationship. And often, not that it's right, but often because people don't want to end the relationship because they they do value it and they do care for the other person, they end up kind of, you know, wandering off and finding the things that they want to find elsewhere, okay? Like I said, it's not the right thing. I'm not condoning it at all, but it is what happens. That is just a fact of life. It is what happens. People feel a void, but they, they do love their partner. They don't know how to address it. They feel that it's not possible to get that from their partner, but they're not willing to leave their partner because they, they, they love them. And then they go off and, and they you know commit adultery and then they're in this crazy remorse. And they don't know what to do because they, they still want to be with their partner. And these things can arise from just not knowing how to bring something up and feeling like you can't ever bring it up and then feeling trapped, okay? So it's so important to understand how that person needs to have their love needs met and it's so important that you communicate that across to your partner. Everything is about communication, 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 communication. I bang on about it all the time, but that is crucial, if you understand that your partner just needs something so basic that for you, you're like, why the fuck would they want that? It's so like, it's so random, doesn't float my boat. But if you're willing to do that for your partner, then that could be something that gets you closer, that brings you closer, it makes them feel super appreciated. And then they're more willing to want to do things for you because they feel so loved and appreciated. It's so amazing how quickly you can turn even just the day around with your partner when you, even if you're feeling bitter and annoyed, if you do a gesture that you know they love, watch them melt. They start to soften, they get kinder, they get softer, they turn around and then without you asking, they start to do the things that you like obviously if you've already communicated across what it is that each other likes they start to do those things for you okay people in general are not dumb they just people get caught up in their own world they get caught up in their own time and what they have to do that sometimes it it slips away from them that it can be something so basic that you need and it's probably not top of mind for them because that might not be how they ex- interpret love so get clear on that do the quiz with your partner it's actually quite fun and lastly number 10 what is their humor? What are the things that they find funny? What's their style in like movies and, you know, their style in jokes and videos that they like to watch? Uh, you don't have to share each other's humor, but it's pretty cool to know what each other's humor is because then, you know, you're more likely to, if, if you're going to do a nice gesture for them, that you do it selflessly and you'd be like, I want to do this for you. So I want to take you to this movie that I know you're going to like. Because if you don't want to do that, what you can say is like, hey, I really want to watch this movie. I'd love you to join if you want. But if you're going to do a gesture for someone, do it properly and do something that's in their taste. Don't be like, I want to take you out. I want to do a gesture for you and then go and watch a movie that's totally in your taste but not in their taste. That's not really a gesture for that person. That's you just bringing them along to something you want to do, okay? You might have the same humor. Great, that makes it easier. But it is good to understand each other's humor. Also, kind of in that humor thing, also understand what that person finds offensive or like really rude. Some people have like quite tactless humor. And I think it's really important that you, if you think that your partner has quite tactless humor, humor, you can say, look, I really find that offensive. And these are the reasons why. And at the very least, I'd rather you not make those jokes with me. 
Or like your kind of humor might be that you're always dragging someone through the dirt and like, oh, and you're always making fun of them and whatever. Some people actually love that. Some people think it's hilarious and they love the banter because they love to dish it back. And that's great if you can agree and be on the same page. But you might be with someone for a while and it takes them ages to to open up and be like, you know what? I know you've done this for years and I've never actually said it, but I hate it when you put me down as comedy. I actually hate it. I don't do it back in return. I don't like when you do that to me. I don't find it funny. I just laugh because I'm trying to make you feel good. But in reality, I feel shit every time you do that. Important that you share that information with each other. Okay. So those are the 10 points that you and your partner should know about each other. So I'll just go over them again quickly. Number one, what is their attachment style? Number two, how do they express their anger anger or frustration? Number three, how do they ask for things? Is it direct or is it non-direct? Number four, what are the big major moments that shaped their life? Number five, what is their purpose? What is their why for getting out of bed every day? Number six, what is their idea of winding down or relaxing? Number seven, what makes them feel insecure? Number eight, what are their non-negotiables? Number nine, how did they express love? And number 10, what is the humor? What are the things that they find funny? Okay, ideally what I'd love for you to do is just get that list and sit down with your partner and ask each other the, the 10 things before you sit down and talk about it because they might have you spot on and you're like, okay, great. It's amazing that we already know that information about each other. But they might A, say, I actually have no idea. You've never shared that with me or I've never been aware of that. Or they might get it so wrong and it's actually quite in a way, a relief. If you've, if you've got a lot of like things that clash in your relationship and then they answer these things and they answer it all wrong, it's in a way it's a relief because you're like, okay, no wonder things are going so like, they feel so disjointed in certain situations in our life because you think it's this when in reality it's this, okay? So do the list, sit down. You can do this with a friend, with whoever, but sit down and go over the list and see where people's knowledge is of how how you like things and vice versa. It's very fun to do, but also a great way to get you closer. And ideally, the earlier, the better. And not, not, I'm not talking one week into the picture, but like the earlier, the better. Because if there's certain things that you're like, wow, I can never come, like get my head around that, that is so not my style, that doesn't work for me, then you want to know sooner rather than later because there might be certain things in there that for you are like, that's a deal breaker. I just cannot live with that shit, okay? So that is all for today's episode. I just want to do a shout out to some of my global beans. We've got beans in Cork in Ireland. Bonjour. We've got Delhi in India, Dunedin in New Zealand, Chicago in the US and in the Sunshine Coast in Australia. So hello to all my beans. It's so cool seeing how many like cities and towns and areas and different countries around the world that all the beans are in. Very exciting. We are spreading the the love in our community. Guys, I love you so much. Live large. Have a stunning Monday and I will speak to you next time in a couple of days. Love your beans. As usual, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.